Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by the Northern Illinois University College of Business where your future is without boundaries and our approach is to. I am joined as always with my incredible co-host Dr. Biagio Palese. Hello Biagio! Ciao a tutti! Welcome, welcome to another great episode. And Without any further ado, let me go ahead and introduce our guest for tonight's discussion, David Hochberg. David is an NIU alum and College of Business graduate. While at NIU, David completed his Bachelor's of Science in Business with a marketing emphasis. During that same time, David was an essay senator, president of a fraternity, Tug's chairman, and homecoming king. After graduating, David's career has taken him from scrap trading to the financial industry with notable stops that include owner of Townstone Financials, vice president of mortgage lending at Pearl Mortgage, and at Lower LLC, where he currently presides. In addition to a glorious reign on NIU's campus and an impressive career, David has also hosts his own radio show on WGN AM 720 each Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. called Home Sweet Home Chicago. David, it is a true pleasure to have you here today. Thanks so much. Well, that sounds a pretty good uh, introduction, but thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So let's let's hit it. Let's go. Let's do this. So I always like to start these at the beginning. How did you get to where you are? What What, what kind of brought you to where you are right now? Uh, in the mortgage business, graduated Northern 88, uh, great job placement program back in 88, where you submitted your resume, got a ton of, got a ton of uh, uh, interviews, it was great right on campus, went into the scrap iron and metal business at a college, I was a scrap trader, uh, reason being I could live at home, I was making 28 grand a year in a company car. So uh, coming out of school, that was uh, back then. I was as good as you were going to get other than being a pharmaceutical sales rep. I don't know if those are still around, but pharmaceutical sales reps are making like 30 in a company car and you had to move to Minnesota or something. So uh, I got lucky, got a job in the scrap industry, uh, got to tour around the Midwest, all over the country, actually going in out of foundries. And uh, throughout 2000, the economy started slowing down. And uh, the scrap industry was being consolidated, rolled up. All the family-run businesses were being consolidated by corporations. <clears throat> and it was just time to get out. Uh, and I saw a bunch of my friends and colleagues and coworkers uh, had left the scrap industry, went in the mortgage business and making a ton of money. And I thought uh, I talked to them about it. And I knew I was a better salesperson than them. Not being cocky it was just a fact. And... I knew if they were making it, I could make it. And 22 and a half years later, um, I, uh, I'm done. I've been doing mortgages now for, for 22 and a half years, got involved in the radio. Just uh, Luke did, uh, did a DJ's loan at WCKG, which had back in the day, Howard Stern, uh, Kevin Matthews, Steve Dahl, three huge names in the radio industry <clears throat> back when I was coming up. And uh, did a DJ's loan there, who was Kevin Matthews' sidekick, who was the midday guy. He's like, you never get me in the house. It's a, I get you in the house. You put me on the radio. Never had any radio training or experience. Still don't. Just make it up as I go. And um, 
went on, got him alone. He brought me on. We, he kept me on for 45 minutes, uh, drive time home, phone blew up and it's where I'm at today, man. Just digging, right? Just tell me I can't do something. I'm going to prove you twice as hard to, that I can. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm still in mortgages, 56 years old to, uh, not going to be recreating myself anytime soon. So I'm, I'm riding this horse until we send it to the, uh, factory. And, uh, the, you know, the, uh, this is the last hurrah for me here, buddy. I love it. And I'm so glad you're, you're sharing some time with us today. So, so when you're talking mortgages and you're doing all of that stuff, what's the, what's the clientele you prefer to work with or, or what's your dream client? I guess you could say. Yeah. Dream client is somebody making a couple hundred grand a year is 20% equity, 790, 780 credit scores, making a ton of money. And I can verify all the assets. Um, that's any loan officer's dream. How I grew right. my business. And what I enjoy working with mostly are the dense, scratched, and damaged borrowers who have gotten horrible advice from their Uncle John and Aunt Sally because Uncle John and Aunt Sally are bust are credit challenge bust outs and they don't know anything. And they're giving their kids bad advice or maybe Uncle John and, and Aunt Sally or your mom and dad and nobody taught them, right? right. And, you know, they were told that carrying credit cards um, you know, using credit cards, there's nothing wrong with using credit cards. It's just like morphine's a great drug, right? When I had my back surgery because my L4, L5 exploded a couple of years back and I had to go on, you know, under the knife, I was on morphine. It was great. I mean, it was, I, you could drop an elephant on my head. I wouldn't have felt anything. <laughs> but, you know, um, it, after a while, you got to come off the morphine and get back into life. Uh, and if you don't, you know, you'll be living under a viaduct, uh, you know, you know, no teeth asking for handouts at the bottom of an off ramp. So the, I, I give I, I give practical advice. Um, I tell it like it is, you know, if you've got an ugly baby, I'm not just going to sit there and go, oh, you know, you got a cute baby. I'm like, yeah, your baby's a little bit, you know, it's, it's not the most attractive baby. And I tell you what you need to do to get you from point A to point B to point C to point D. And point D is being in a position to either rent a home, buy a home, or maybe rent a car, or, you know, lease a car, buy a car. Because what I didn't learn in college and what, and what students aren't learning graduating high school, and I know they're not learning this in college because I talked to a bunch of, you know, first-time home buyers that just graduated college, they are not taught what credit is, how important credit is, how to establish credit while you're still in college, why you need to build that foundation of credit while you're still in college. Because if you're in the college of business and entrepreneurialism it is huge right now, right? That wasn't around when I was going through school. You know, yeah, you talked about being an entrepreneur, but now they're teaching whole classes and whole, and whole, um, major concentration. Yeah. yeah. Majors. You know, back in the day, they just started the, uh, 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 the engineering school when I was going through, right? And, you know, that was the hottest thing back then. So, so nobody talked to anybody about credit. And if you're graduating the business school and you want to go into business on your own, or you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to have to go get a business loan eventually, right? You're going to have to go to an investor and the investor or the bank that you're going to ask for financing because you're going to need some type of liquidity, some type of financing to start up your, your business, right? Your great idea and your entrepreneurial spirit, hundred percent great, but you're going to need some Benjamins behind it in order to get it. And if you don't have credit, 
because you've been working off your debit card, which is the dumbest play you can make in terms of, yeah, using a debit card is a sucker's bet. It just, you, you don't pick up any, any benefits of using a debit card. So if you don't believe me, look at Frank Abagnale, you know, catch me if you can, that Leonardo DiCaprio played. He's got a YouTube video out right now that says exactly what I just said. And I, I took it from him that the debit card's the dumbest play that you can make. So I'm not saying go get a credit card and blow your, or, you know, blow your financial load out there and, and blow yourself up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying use a credit card in the same way you're using a debit card, right? And I call it the four T's, toothpaste, toilet paper, tampons, transportation. You won't find that on the internet except for me because I made it up, right? If you don't need it, you don't spend it. And then the other thing is you go online every Friday. Why Friday? Because who forgets Friday, right? Friday's the greatest day of the, of the week. And every Friday you go on and pay off your debt. I mean, I mean, what's the deal? You're just learning a different pattern and how to pay off your debt, right? You charge it on a, on a credit card or you take it right out of your, right out of your um, bank account with a debit card. So I like working with borrowers that we're either don't have any information about or education, formal or informal, about what it takes to buy a home established credit. Because there's more of a reward to me and my team to take somebody who wants to buy a home or wants to refinance a home that already owns a home that maybe had some tough times financially. Maybe they had a divorce. Maybe they were sick. Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they got uh, were, were expecting overtime, and now that the economy's slowing down, they don't have the overtime. Maybe that uh, their their parents are sick and they got to help out. You know, there's four thousand different you know variables. Maybe you're driving and you blew a tire out and you got to dump four hundred dollars on a tire, and then one tire is gone, and then the guy at the tire tire dealership says, "Hey, the other three are going too," and you went from four hundred dollars to a thousand twelve hundred dollars. Where's that money going to come from? So these are the things that I like to educate, you know, it's that challenging borrower, right? Where everybody mm -hmm. said no. I like I like rolling up my sleeves and saying, all right, it's great. Everybody said no. Maybe it's still a no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the shovel and start digging to see if there's an opportunity to get you in this home, you know, th that you like in a with a reasonable payment that you, you could afford. So that that's what I enjoy, right? Yeah, the 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 best borrower is. You know, you know, your bulletproof borrower that's got a ton of money and great credit and and wants to buy a gigantic house, but that's not every one of them. So yeah, right. I like the challenges. So then if we're if we're looking at people just starting out, you know, you're just graduating or you're about to graduate college, you know, you're gonna come out maybe at that 50, 60 range, and and you're kind of like, I'm I'm just doing what I'm kind of told and I'm gonna rent a place because I got a new job. What what just generic advice do you think everyone would need to hear? I mean, it sounds like you you have like some pretty standard things that you think everyone should know. So so what are some of those? Because if nothing else, I'd like our listeners to have takeaways. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, 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 what my dad taught me was when you get a job, you pay yourself, right? The first person you pay, you pay yourself. What does that mean? That means if you get a job at the company that offers a 401k, right? Take full advantage of the 401k because start the sooner you start that, the compounding interest, the sooner you gain wealth and you gain um, financial security if you make it to retirement, right? And then after you pay yourself with a 401k, if your company offers it, then double down on that and open up a, a 
a, 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 a an IRA, right? And start funding your IRA. So start paying yourself first, right? Invest in yourself. That's the biggest takeaway that my father gave me that I, I still remember this day. I fully load up all of my retirement accounts. January 1st, my financial guy called me up and like sweep the account, load it up, I max out my 401k and my company. Some companies have met, some companies don't. So, so that's number one, right? I know it sounds crazy. You're 21, 22 years old. You're graduating, making 50, 60 grand a year, which is great. You probably saddled with 100 to $150,000 with the student loan debt, because that's a whole nother story. I won't even get into how ridiculous that whole thing is. But, you know, start paying yourself back, right? N number one, start saving and paying yourself, invest in yourself. Okay. If you could live at home, great. You know what I mean? Start socking away. Uh, put away as much money as you can. My nephew just moved out. He graduated University of Iowa two years ago, entrepreneurial school. He's working at a big bank downtown, right? Lived at home for two years. He's ready to go. Saved a ton of money. He just sold his car. He got 10 G's for his car because still kind of a shortage of cars out there. He doesn't need a car. He's living in he's living in old town downtown, right? He's renting with a high school buddy of his. Great, okay? What after that, after you save up all money always have six months to a year's worth of an emergency fund right because if you do get cut off at your job you do get fired you do get downsized. i just talked to a uh, the reason i signed down late was i was talking to a first-time home buyer uh, a young uh, young lady uh is engaged to this guy graduated college went to work for a company company went bankrupt okay so graduates, he's working there eight months, his first job out of college, boom, gone, him and 5,000 people, have a nice day, see you later, all right? Three months out of work, okay, he's, he's bouncing around, now the economy's slowing down a little bit, jobs aren't all over the place as they once were, especially in the tech industry where he's at, so he's 90 days out of a job, still living at home, so he's fine, and he finally gets another job making 25 to 28 Gs a year, which is 50 to $56,000 a year, okay, great, all right? So she's like, well, what should we do? I'm like, number one, put down less money. You know, they wanted to put 20% down to buy a home. I go, that's great. They go, but your fiance just lost his job. You're going into an uncertain economic time here, right? You know, we just went from guns a blazing to the interest rates that they've been jacking up and shoving down people's throats since last March, finally taking an impact. You're starting to see huge layoffs across many sectors, okay? The the fintech industry has just taken it right upside the head, just got their asses handed to them. And now it's rolling to other industries. You know, you got banks that's another bank's about ready to teeter. You know, you know, they threw in the white flag. I, I, I think tonight they're asking for help. So the banking industry is still, uh, you know, not on the most solid ground as possible. Okay. So financing, what does that mean? And this is where, you know, the students have to understand, okay, SVB went out and, and, and Signature Bank went out in New York. Now you got First Republic Bank in California. Why does that impact me? Well, it bet your ass it impacts you, okay? And here's how it impacts you. You might not think it impacts you up in DeKalb, but here's how it impacts you. You've got huge banks now, right? Fighting for money from depositors, okay? And, and deposit guys like me and you and everybody here in a bank account, right? The banks need you to put money in those banks to survive. Where I'm giving you banking 101, the finance majors, like I know all this stuff already. Yeah, and you're right to do. But the reason those banks went out, okay, or two of them went out and the third one is teetering is because the depositors pulled all their money out, okay, and put it into bigger banks and safer banks. So 
I'm buddies with a local bank here, medium-sized bank, $100 million bank, perfect cash position. He went out and quote unquote bought money from the Fed in order to stock up his cash position. Yes, you could buy money. Okay, so, so they went out. So what does it mean? And I called him, I said, this is probably gonna put a credit squeeze on everybody, huh? He's like, if you don't have a crystal clear deal, Russ, and all the students out there, it's not getting done at the small and medium and big size banks. So if you've got a, if you've got a business that you're going to get financing for, that might've been no problem 60 days ago, if you've got a pimple on your ass, you ain't getting financed. Okay, if it's not a clean, solid financing opportunity, these banks are gonna tell you, have a nice day, we're out of here, okay? Why? Because they don't want any, any, type of, any type of volatility. And the other reason is their liquidity to put back on the, back on the streets has been reduced because people are taking money out of their banks. So if that's putting a crunch on the bigger guys, okay, the Fortune 500 companies, which you're reading in, in, the, in, the, um, in the Bloombergs and the, and the Fortunes and the Wall Street Journals that mm-hmm. all these big, if these bigger companies are having challenges getting financing, you can bet your bottom dollar that you're, those, the medium and small size companies are gonna be a bigger crunch on those guys, okay? And who's, who's hiring and what stimulates the economy? It's those medium and small sized companies. Yeah, it's large companies as well, but it's mom and pops and the small and medium sized companies that are really the backbone of our economy, you know, throughout the entire country. Mm-hmm. So I know we're bouncing all over the place here, but if you, I gets back to having, paying yourself first, right? Load up your 401k, load up your IRA, number, n- number two, build an emergency fund for six months to 12 months. Cause this kid that's trying to buy a home never thought his company that he went to work for at a college will be out of business eight months. He's out. Okay. And thank God he's living with his folks. Thank God he saved some of the money from the eight months. Thank God he's got, you know, a, 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 a fiance, you know, she's making some really, you know, she's making six figures and she's living at home too. So they're banking it. But if you don't have six months to a year's worth of emergency funds for everything that I just said, you shouldn't move out and rent the place. You definitely shouldn't move out and buy a place. And that's what that's the best recommendation I could do is have a defensive safety net. So so I, I go back to my nephew graduated Iowa a couple of years ago with an entrepreneurial thing, right? He's going to be this big shot. He couldn't find a job, right? You know, you had, he had all these ideas, couldn't get any money for all of his ideas. Okay. And I said, I said, I'd fund your, I'd fund it. You know, I like the kid, you know, he's one of my better nephews out there. You know, the others I don't like as much, but you know, I trust the kid. He had a good idea. I go, go get other financing. I'm not going to finance the whole thing. If you could get other financing, non-family member financing, because that's the worst investment you can make is in, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll put 25% in. He couldn't get the other 75%. So, so here we are, he's working for a big bank, still working on his concept. He finally moved out. And Noah's got the resources. He's like, and he worked for me for one summer and he saw everything, right? He saw the credit of all the credit challenge borrowers. He's like, wow, I'm never going to get into that position. I'm like, good. Okay, I'm glad you worked for me for those three, four months. And that's the best position you could be in is just always having money in the bank so, so you don't have to rely on somebody else. So when you're when you're talking about then establishing or, or being defensive, when we're talking about 
credit and and establishing good credit and doing all that stuff how do you or what recommendations would you give for for at least college students even in college maybe you're you know yeah. freshman sophomore to to be that defensive minded person and and maybe not end up being one of those damaged dent you know those borrowers that come to you later on saying okay now I'm now I'm kind of in a in a pickle sure you got to be 18 years old Russ to get a credit card okay so how do I get a credit card if I don't have any credit? Okay, that's you know the the that's the number one question I get. Well, there's a program at BMO Harris called a Credit Builder Loan. Okay, I don't work for BMO Harris; they sponsor my show. I have them on once a month on my show, and I've been doing this 20 years until I found out about this program uh, two years ago. It's a Credit Builder Loan. Call me; I'll introduce you to my team at BMO. Okay, because I've had people on the radio walk into their branch. And the local branch doesn't know anything about it. And then they get mad and then they get the email like, you know, this is BS. I'm like, well, if you call me, I send the local branch across the street from me in Northbrook, about $10 million worth of business a year. They know exactly what the program is. So, so you need credit in order to get credit. So how do you get credit if you don't have credit, right? The chicken before the egg, the egg before the chicken. So a couple of ways I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there for your, you know, you know, for the students up there. Number one, there's this credit builder loan. Call me or, or send me an email, David at the number five, the number six, david.com. Okay, I'll introduce you. Basically what it is, is you open up a $1,000 loan. Okay, quote unquote loan. It's nothing, it's a bunch of bullshit, right? It's a loan on a piece of paper. You're not, you're not getting a loan for anything. It's a forced savings account. But the, but the great part about it is this quote unquote loan shows up on the credit reporting agencies, credit uh, TransUnion Equifax Experian, as what we call in the industry a trade line, right? So now if you have no credit, all of a sudden there's this $1,000 loan on there, <clears throat> okay? Now you can pay the loan off. My recommendation is if you can, pay it off $500, you know, $600 the first payment, $300 the second payment, and clean it up at the third payment. It costs somewhere like 75 bucks to do it, right? You open up a BMO account. If you've got the money, you just sweep it over and in three months it, it gets paid down. What happens at the end of the loan? That money gets returned back to you, okay? So you pay $1,000 into this loan, quasi loan. The, the BMO is reporting this on your credit report as an installment loan, because it is, you're paying a loan off in an installment payments over it's supposed to be 24 months but in my case it's three months if you could do it if you can't if you don't got a g-note laying around then just pay it out at a hundred dollars a month until you pay it off whatever you pay into it you got to pay it every single month or else it's going to be reporting as late and then you just defeated the whole purpose of opening it now you've got a pulse okay now all of a sudden tom smith and DeKalb is showing up on the radar screen Tom Smith's never been showing up on the radar screen. And there's Sally Smith also, beep, beep, beep. Okay, great, you get the $1,000 back, what do you do? Do it again. Okay, you're gonna take that same money and you're gonna do the same thing. Why? Because you can't, okay? Now what's gonna happen? Your mailbox is gonna start exploding with credit card offers. Okay, because now you've proven that you're a good credit risk. Okay, now there's fresh meat in the water. Now all these credit card companies who've never seen Sally or Jim or Smith or whatever the hell the Smith's names are, are now fresh blood, right? They're fresh meat. So they want it, your mailbox is going to start exploding with credit card offers, right? Don't open up a credit card yet, right? Get again, we got to get the foundation, right? The foundation is 
Go another round, go three rounds. You're 18, 19, 20 years old. You've got time on your hands, right? Do another round, get a good base of foundation, do three of those, use the same thousand dollars three times to get three loans paid off in a year. Now you're solid, right? Now you've got a credit card history. Now you've got depth because you've shown the credit gods that you could pay off three loans on time and you paid off three loans within a year. So now they're really salivating to get their hooks into you, right? So then what I would recommend is pick a store or pick a infinity program that you like, okay? You could go to the Gap if, if, if Victoria's Secrets is your thing, if Abercrombie Fitch is your thing, you know, whatever. You want to get a discount on gas, get the Speedway, get the Shell, get the Amico, whatever it is you want to, you, you know, you like taking an airplane rides. So you get the Delta or, or United or whatever the hell, the you know, American credit card. That's when you apply for the credit card. Applying for a credit card when you've got nothing prior to doing those three things that I just mentioned, which is really one thing three times, you're going to get turned down. But if you open, if you do what I just, it's simple, right? I mean, if you could borrow $1,000 from your parents, I know it's not like $1,000 is a ton of money. It is a ton of money. I'm not trying to make light of it. But if your parents are trying to get you going, so that's step one. Step two is have your parents or a loved one that trusts you add you as an authorized user onto their credit cards. Okay, now you have to make sure that the people that you're asking to add you as an authorized user have good credit. Because if you get added as an authorized user to a credit challenge bust out who's got 500 credit scores, it's gonna, it's gonna destroy everything we just did with the three, three, uh, three BMO loans. So if you could do those at the same time, take out the BMO credit builder loan. This isn't just for the students on this call. This is for the students who have friends, family, and neighbors who might right. not have built their credit. Okay, so everything I'm telling you right now applies to the person in Bangor, Maine, Key West, Florida, mm -hmm. Anchorage, Alaska, Kona, Hawaii, and San Diego, California, and all points in between. Right. Okay, so this is this information I'm giving you is portable to whoever has it out there, right? And it could be the, the students' parents who are credit challenged because nobody taught them these, these techniques, okay? I got a guy... I, I ran, I, I met up with a guy who worked at the Salvation Army, okay? And he, his job at the, at the Salvation Army right now is to transition prisoners out of prison. So as they transition out of prison, they could get their lives back in, in line, okay? And back in the day, the reason he's put, he's put in charge of the prisoner Re um, gentrification program, you know, whatever the hell the name is, is because he was behind bars 20 years ago. He was incarcerated for whatever he did, right? He said, spent his time, did his time, he's back, right? Now he's working for the Salvation Army because the Salvation Army lent him a hand when he came out, right? So I'm on the radio with this guy. We're doing a, a Salvation Army uh, uh, fundraiser on WGN like we do every year. We raise about 100 grand, 150 grand, whatever. And I told, and he told a story about how he was in prison and how he helps prisoners transition. So I'm talking to him afterwards. I'm like, hey, how about if we help them, the prisoners, while they're in prison, start revitalizing their credit while they're behind 
bars, but they know their 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 um their release dates coming up. And I go, better yet, why don't we educate those prisoners' wives and husbands and aunts and uncles and moms and, and dads while they're coming out? So when they come out, they got a shot, right? Because employers are doing what now, right? Especially as the employment the uh the market gets tighter all right for workers you're going to start running credit again now they'll take anybody with with, with a pulse and a breath you, you know you're going to get a job back in the day a couple of years back employers would pull people's credit you know prospective applicants credit to make sure that they don't have to worry about somebody ripping something off to pay off a debt that they have on their credit report so that's going to come back right so if we could help these prisoners start doing all this stuff which is the same thing i'm recommending to everybody here on this call Right. It's no different. So you so you've got that authorized user on a credit card. Make sure that the authorized user that ma make sure that the card holder that is making you an authorized user has got good credit. OK, because you kind of defeat the purpose. And so so you've got that those things. And lastly. There's something called a secured credit card. OK, it's kind of like a prepaid credit card. So I know Fifth Thirds Bank, again, I don't get anything for this. The reason I tell you to go to Fifth Thirds Bank is because I know that Fifth Thirds Bank, I've been working with them for 15 years. They reported to all three credit bureaus. And sometime in the future, they take the money that you put up. So basically how it works is Bank of David Hochberg, right? I'm Fifth Thirds Bank. Russ comes to me. I want to take out a secured credit card. Okay, Russ, give me $500. Okay, Russ gives me $500. I put it up as collateral. I, as the bank, uh, as a loan officer at Fifth Third Bank, say, Russ, sign all of these forms. And in a week or two, a credit card is going to come in the mail with Russ on the, on the card, and, and your limit's going to be $500. Okay, now you've got 500, it's like a debit card, right? You've got 500 live rounds on there. You could spend up to $500. A lot better than a debit card. Okay. Because that credit card that Russ has got is going to be reporting to all three major credit bureaus. And what Russ is going to do is every Friday, Russ is going to find a fifth thirds bank, go through the drive through, say, hi, here's my credit card. This is what I owe you. Please apply this check for $113.54 to my uh, credit card. So your balance is now down to zero. And then we'll what you're going to do is after like 16 or 18 months, being a good boy in this situation, Fifth Third Bank's going to come to you and say, Russ, you got a great credit history. We're going to give that $500 back to you and turn that secured credit card into an unsecured credit card. You've proven to us that you can manage your debt. So now you have a $500 credit being applied to your next charge right, to, to your next bill. So if you charge $300, you'll have a $200 credit going into the following month. So these are the three simplest ways that your students or these students or the students on this call when their parents or their relatives or their friends or their family or their coworkers, if they work, can establish their credit using a debit card is the single most um, disastrous thing that you could do while trying to build your credit because you're not building any credit. It's a sucker's bet. Again, Google Frank Abagnale, catch me if you can, talking about debit cards. It's like a three or four minute. He's fantastic, by the way. And he basically, you're essentially using other people's money and he calls everybody dumb 
for whoever uses a, a debit card instead of a credit card. So that that would be my foundation for success going forward for your, uh, you know, for the students on the call. So then, David, that was very enlightening, truly. I'm, I'm wondering, though, then, and this is just your opinion, debit feels safer. Like it feels like there's some things out there that are like, all right, credit is scary. Like debt is scary. You're using words that I'm not like really sure about. So I'd much rather work with cash because I know how much I have and I know I'm not going to get in trouble. What What's wrong with that thinking then? Well, that what's wrong with that thinking is that when you try to buy a car with credit, you have no credit history, right? Again, I go back to the morphine you know, example. Morphine's great. Credit is great when used effectively in the right place at the right time responsibly, right? There's nothing wrong with credit cards, right? If you use morphine in the right way in the right time, okay, it got to a week where I couldn't poop, so I had to get off the morphine because it blocked me up, so I had to get off. It was great, so I popped a couple of Advil, and then I drank a ton of water, and, my, and, and, and the plumbing got going again, so it was fantastic, but that's a little sidebar. That's just that, that's the thing that I got, but, you know... It, when you're uncomfortable with something, right? We're all uncomfortable with something. But how do you get comfortable with something? By making yourself uncomfortable with the, what, whatever you're uncomfortable with. So you become more comfortable with whatever, whatever you're uncomfortable with becomes more comfortable when you do it more, right? So if, if you're afraid of credit, try to buy a plane ticket, okay? Try walking up to Midway or O'Hare with $1,000 worth of cash in your hand and saying you want to go on a, on, on a round trip from here to Florida, okay? You'll have bomb sniffing dogs in the Chicago Police Department surrounding you in about three seconds, okay? Because <laughs> nobody works that kid. Try buying, try going downtown now. You got stores downtown not taking any cash, okay? I mean, you've got retailers right now throughout the United States that aren't taking any cash. They don't want the risk of being held up. So they're not, it's not just Chicago, it's all over. So, so what do you do? You take your phone and you tap it. Well, guess what? If you could tap your debit card, you know, with your phone, you, you could tap your credit card with your phone. It, it's learning up here in your head, getting off of one way of thinking, which was great in high school, but you're in college now, okay? You're transitioning into the real world, right? You're going to hold down a job right? And credit is everything, right? You, you want to get a car. You're not going to get a car if you don't have any credit. You're not going to get a car, car loan or a car lease. I mean, they'll give you a loan. You, okay. You'll get road loans, which is the, you know, the name of the auto leasing companies for credit challenge borrowers. You'll be paying 28 to 40%. Yes, there's no track record on you. So my response to you with that question is, the sooner you get comfortable with being uncomfortable, the sooner that uncomfortable will become comfortable, right? And that, that's it. And that's with anything, right? Public speaking, right? If you're, not, if you're not comfortable standing up in front of 500 to 1,000 people, let alone 20 people, you better start doing a lot of that, right? Because if you're in business school, you're going to be doing a lot of presenting. Even the finance people you know, do present. Even the management people do present. I'm a marketing guy, right? I mean, I, I present all the time, okay? But, but, but you got finance, you got all the operations management was the other one that was big. My, my college roommate 
you know, Dave Sordo went into operations management. He was one of the first graduating class of operations management. He's got to get up and talk in front of factory floors all the time. Okay. He used to work at Kraft. Now he's working at Medline, right? He's running all these, all these supply chain. You know, Dave was never, Swords was never a, a big public speaker, but guess what? He got up there and did it. He hated it. But now he can stand up in front of 300 people, another 500 people on a Zoom call and say, here's how we're going to run this factory. So the, the quicker you become comfortable with what you're uncomfortable with, and this is with public speaking, driving, backing into parking spots, parallel parking, whatever the hell it is, credit is just another thing, okay? that It's just another thing you got to be comfortable with because everything that you do in life revolves around your credit, okay? You, you, you want to go rent the place? They're right. Pull your credit, right? Okay, okay. You want you want to you want you want to go lease it with your boyfriends and girlfriends after college? Great. Lease company's going to pull your credit. If you've got nothing there and you're in your hundred percent debit cards, you're not going to get the apartment. Or, or, or parents got a co-sign for you. I mean, you're young adults here, right? Stand up on your own two feet. Start using credit, right? Responsibly. Yes. Yes. So I have I have two questions that I want to cover, and I'm going to put them out there just so we know. Yeah. Uh, Right now, the housing market is unique, I guess you could say, and yeah. I'm I'm seeing some things, and and there's whispers or maybe thoughts that maybe buying houses wouldn't isn't going to be the future investment of what it used to be that 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 established kind of American dream where it's a wealth creator or generational wealth creator. What what's your opinion on that one? Like, do you still think buying a house at that point is still going to be something that is is stride for as our as a country maybe? And then the other one is, let's say you're you're in school or you're just coming out and you maybe do have. $5,000 of credit card loans and stuff like that, you know, it, it got a little bit out there and, and you're just paying the minimums and getting through that. What What's kind of a good strategy to maybe get yourself in a better standing on that one? Sure. It's maybe not terrible, but it's definitely not in the great system or great strategy yet. Sure. So, so the, I'll take the housing question, the housing question, housing, housing is, and real estate in general has always been the, the, the number one way to build wealth in the United States for over a hundred years. Thank okay? you. That's that's what I was trying to say. Thank you. That was perfect, yeah. David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. I'm glad we did. I, I, yeah, we practiced that before and we nailed it. So <laughs> the um, no uh, real estate, the the biggest, the fastest way to grow wealth in this country has always been and will always will be real estate. Right. We're not making any more dirt. Okay. There's only so much dirt between New York and California. There's only so much dirt. Right. And there's only so much dirt that that we could develop. OK. And how do you build wealth? Well, you buy your first place, you leverage it, you take a little money out and you go buy a second place. And what some of the strategies that I'm working with some first time home buyers is you get in with three and a half percent down with an FHA loan. Then you keep that home and you go build another home and you put renters in that first home. Then you keep saving and then you build up a, a portfolio that way. So all of that stuff like real estate is dead. That's a bunch of bullshit. Okay, I'll be honest with you. Okay, I don't know if you could say bullshit, but it's bullshit. It's good. I, I don't I it's I, I've been doing this 22 years, right? 20 almost 22 and a half years. So when I bought when I bought real estate and I've seen rates go up and rates go down, and I I survived the housing collapse in 2007, 2008. So you know, your students here were in fifth, were in third grade, right? And they got their 
trip to Disney canceled and maybe their uh, private uh, soccer lessons canceled and uh, maybe one of their parents lost their jobs because 08 happened. So I get, right? I empathize with everybody on the call. I lived it, okay? And I saw my house go, the house in my neighborhood dropped 30, 40%. And everybody was about ready to jump off the curb and kill themselves, right? I'm just like, and, and I'll never forget this. Our home appraised, uh, and, and every time the rates kept going down, I kept refinancing my home. Right? I was in the business, so every six months I refinanced. And we lost about $150,000 in value just on my home in Northbrook, right? And my wife goes, oh my God, we lost all this money, right? I'm just like, are we moving anytime soon? Right. You plan. We, we've got three girls right under five, five, three and one. I'm like, are we going anywhere anytime soon? She's like, no, I'm like, don't worry about it. Right. I'm like, this is just the market correcting itself. Our house wasn't worth what it was worth in 07, 08 when it ran up because everybody was was getting high and drunk off of all the free, all the all the all the easy money that was there. I go, our, our high, our house was never worth what it was worth before. OK, it was an unrealistic value. And when we sold it two years ago. We got what we got. We got everything back. Okay. So real estate will always be, and again, it's a type of real estate, which is location, 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 type of property, and what you could do with it, right? Just don't go buy a broken down shack in Sycamore and think you're going to make a fortune. Okay. So location, location, location. So I, I still think real estate has got a future. And I think real estate has got a, a huge upswing. I think right now with this market we're in, 70% of the homeowners because of the low rates that we saw in 2020 and 2021 because the Fed dropped the, the, um, the rates so low. We saw the 10-year bond at 0.5 in August of 2020 and the 30-year fix was going off at two and a half. Okay, you got the 10-year bond today at 3.4. So it's up, it's, it's up 300 basis points and we got the 30-year fixed today trading in the high six and low seven. So the challenge with real estate right now, and the reason there's such a shortage is because 70% of the homeowners in the United States have rates at 3%, it starts with the three or below. So if you've got a 3% rate, if you get a rate that starts with the three or below, and you're gonna sell your house today, and then go into a rate in the sixes and the sevens, you really don't pick up any savings on the, on the payment. So why is it a good time to buy? because there's, there's lack of supply. And when rates come down, and they will come down, they always come down, there'll be more buyers coming into the market and it'll put more pressure on, on, on pricing, right? It's Econ 101 or 201 or whatever they, you know, whatever I, 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 I took there, right? But it, it's, it's complete supply and demand. So I still think it's a great time to buy, even though rates are higher. Uh, we, we got five purchase contracts in today from buyers that are looking to buy. We got four inquiries today, you know, including the guy that lost his job and you know who got a new job. So they keep coming in and they're smart because they're going to buy a house today. And then as rates come down, what's going to happen? More supply is going to come on the market because all those, all those homeowners that are sitting in twos and threes are going to be able to get a loan in the fours and the fives. That's more manageable than going into a rate in the sixes and the sevens. Then all the borrowers that did, didn't qualify at the sixes and the sevens are going to see the fours and the fives are back. They're going to start flooding the market. So there's still going to be a demand and all that stuff. So that's what I think about that. I completely you think, forgot. Yeah, I, I got, you're good because I want to I want to jump on that too. Uh, do you think that the the high 
prices of houses, the, 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 the value that's been increased in some of the outrageous, uh, like, you know, um, overpaying for even them. Do you think sure. that's going to correct and, and maybe have yes. kind of a mini 2008 where prices are going to like, like where that's, I guess, then where I think I, I see some people being a little bit more cautious of yeah. like, all right, I have all a three, right. I don't want to get into something and then it tank. And now I've paid this high and it's not ever going to come back up at this price, you know? Yeah, no, that's fair. And you're already seeing a retraction in some of the markets, such as San Francisco, uh, tech heavy markets, FinTech heavy market, San Francisco, uh, uh, Vegas, um, uh, uh, Phoenix. Okay. So you're starting to see pockets of retraction here in Chicago, right? Thank God we still have a steady labor market. We've got other challenges here in Illinois, as everybody's well aware, but we don't have any inventory here. They, you know, there hasn't been any large scale blown out, blowing out of cornfields and soybean fields and putting up 150 unit track houses. We haven't had that since the collapse of 08 here down in Georgia. They're building like crazy down in Florida. They're building like crazy. Okay. Down in South Carolina, over in South Carolina, North Carolina, they're building like crazy. Okay. Because of the influx, that's where people are going right down in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, they're building like crazy. Why? Because those are warm weather States, lower taxes, and the jobs are booming. Columbus, they're building like crazy. Why? Because of this chipsack thing. They're they're putting factories in Georgia. They're putting factories in 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 Columbus. They're putting factories in South Carolina. So it's got to do with jobs. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. And again, whenever you see the headlines, real estate's off, you know, thirteen percent. That's a bunch of bullshit, right? Because that's that that's a a macro statement, and real estate is local. It's always local, all right? So, so you can't look at, it's down 12 to 13%. Sure, you were getting $2 million for a 700 square foot studio in San Francisco, okay? That's a little nuts, okay? Now that, <laughs> that but, but, you, you, but not a little nuts. That was really nuts, okay? And, and, but San Francisco just lost three to 400,000 jobs, okay? Because, because of what happened in the FinTech. So you might not think those on this call might not think that what's happening in California is impacting you, but what's happening in California impacts everybody. Okay. And what, and, and if, and if industries start shaving up bed, bath and beyond going out, okay. How many stores, how many people work in those stores, how many trucks are being, are, are not going to, are no longer going to those stores. How many factory workers in the warehouses that are loading up those trucks to go to those stores are no longer going to be needed because bed, bath and beyond is out. Okay, so when you start thinking about all this stuff, Bed Bath and Beyond doesn't impact me. Why doesn't it impact me? Might not impact you, but it impacts the men and women who work at Bed Bath and Beyond. It works. It, it impacts you and all the people in the warehouses. And then what happens? They don't have jobs anymore. So what happens? They don't spend money anymore on the things that they used to spend money on. That's how we get. That's how we pare down inflation, right? Less people. You've got fewer dollars chasing more goods right so fewer dollars chasing more goods so now all these companies are loaded with warehouses if you read what's going on the warehouses are full and these and these companies haven't gotten to a point yet where they're ready to just slash and burn all of their costs uh, and and all the prices that's when the inflation comes down right so you've got 
I don't know if I, they're throwing up warehouses like, you know, they're freaking Lego toys here. Okay. <laughs> You're talking millions of millions and millions of square feet of storage. Well, guess what? The ones that are filled up are built are filled up with, with, with product. Walmart's laying off 2000 workers at their warehouse. Amazon's laying off 5,000 people at their warehouse. Okay. Why are they laying all these people off? Cause they don't need them to work the forklifts, to load the trucks, to get the products out. So all of this stuff, guys, it impacts you, right? It totally impacts what's going on. And you've got to be smart and you've got to be ahead of the curve and learn and understand how all of this impacts everything in, in a daily basis. I completely forgot your first question, by the way. You're good. So, so that that's very insightful and and helpful too, because I I hear a lot of my my recent grads that maybe have been out a year or two that are like, I don't know if I should be buying a house now. Like I, I've I've saved up, I'm doing that stuff, I'm not sure, and this is just a really scary time to do. Then it. don't so, buy. Then, then if then don't buy. Yeah, listen. If if you've got recent grads, I'm not saying go buy a house. It's great. No, no. If your recent grads. I've got the year, six months to a year saved up. They got a down payment. They got an emergency fund and they're scared about buying a house. They keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Cause I'll tell you what, right. We have something called apartment complexes. <laughs> okay. Because not everybody is ready to buy a house. Not everybody should buy a house. Not everybody is responsible to buy a house. Listen, furnace goes out in your house, six to eight grand. You better have that six to eight grand ready to go. A window breaks could be two to 300 bucks. You need a plumber to come out. It's $150 an hour to, you know, to get a plumber out to your house. Okay. I, I, all of the, if your students or past students are not, are scared to buy a home, don't buy a home. Don't, when you feel comfortable in your job, in the economy, in your savings, and you want to own a home then you you call a guy like me and i'll run you through all the stuff i'm not going to take you and fit you into a pair of 22 inch pants if you got a 34 inch waist no if you don't want to buy a home you don't feel comfortable you don't want to be popping a modium all night because you got a home ownership now in your stomach and you're running the can because you can't keep anything down because you're all nervous about owning no don't own a home live at home with your folks go rent the place with your girlfriends or your boyfriends or your buddies or whatever have fun you don't have to jump into home ownership. I bought my first home. I was 27 years old. Nice. Okay. And so, you know, you, nothing is holding you, you know, but if you want to buy a home and that's your dream, then go buy a home. I can tell you this rent's not getting any cheaper out there either. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you compare rent to home the payments, pretty much pretty, 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 pretty close. And then when you get your tax write off with the interest, you can write off and you're, and your PMI, if there's PMI, check with your CPA because I don't give financial advice. I have to say that disclaimer. But, you know, it, when, when you do a side-by-side analysis on a monthly basis, you know, with, with the way rents have been going up, with the way everything else, you know, homeownership from a financial standpoint might make sense. So if you're not ready, Russ, don't tell your students, forget about it, right? When they're ready, they're ready. And then you right. go buy a house. Or Good maybe they just rent their life or live in their parents' basement. Nothing wrong with that. 
exactly all right so then my, my my second question or first question i can't even remember either uh was so let's say you're graduating and you got you got a little bit of credit card debt you're paying oh, minimums yeah. you're you're kind of there but it's maybe not like healthy but it's not terrible and you're just yeah. you're keeping above water but barely yeah 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 so i i i come from the school of i i've worked every single day in my life since i was like seven years old right Cub Scouts selling turtles, right? That was my thing, right? And then when it snowed, I picked up the shovel and my buddy and I shoveled sidewalks, right? And when, when it was hot out, we, we ripped apart air conditioners for the copper condensers and the motors, okay? So we were constantly working. When I graduated, I'm not telling you this, I'm just telling you my point of view, right? When I graduated, I had a job. I worked, I, I worked 12 hours on the weekends waiting tables, right? I did doubles on Saturday and Sunday to, to earn an extra 300, 500 bucks a weekend. Back then that was a lot of money. Now they get, you know, five to 700 bucks a night. You know, I was, I, I was, I was slinging corned beef sandwiches, right. Making two, $3 a, a, you know, you know, a table. But the reason I'm telling you that is if you've got debt and, and what I think this generation's gotten away from is hard work sometimes, right. Go get that second job. Okay. Take that extra shift, right. And pay yourself back. Right. And if you're at if you've got five thousand dollars with credit card debt and you're funding a 401k, I'd pause the 401k and pay down your credit card debt. OK, that's what I would do. And then after the credit card debt's paid off, I'd go fund back my 401k. I would also pay off that credit card debt with every pay period you get paid. Right. How do you eat an elephant, Russ? One bite at a time. Right. So if you if you get paid weekly every week. Throw $50 at it, throw $100 at it. You're paying yourself, right? And then what you have to do, what I did when I bought my first home was, if I didn't need it to survive, I did not buy it, okay? If, it didn't, if I didn't need it to survive, if it wasn't food, clothing, or medical, I don't give a crap what it was, I did not buy it. And everything that I made from my waiting jobs uh, on the weekends, I would go in the bank and it was safe for a down payment. But in this case, to answer your question, you got five G's out there. Tell you what, last time I looked, every single small business around me, especially restaurants, are looking for help and they're paying $15 to $18 an hour. Okay. You get a $15 an hour job working 10 hours a week, it's $150. It's $600 a month. Boom. Okay. You take home maybe four after taxes. There's there's uh, there's eight percent of your debt paid off, okay, and and you do that every single month, bam, 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 you know you're you're paying it down on top of whatever you're paying it down with with your primary job. Credit card debt is is like carbon monoxide. It's a single. It will kill you financially, right? And when anybody that gets comfortable carrying credit card debt and living off now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. You, you shouldn't live off a of credit card debt if you lost your job and had financial challenges. I mean, I, I've got, I'm in Northbrook here. I'm in the, I'm in the North shore, right? I, I got people here with 40, 50, $60,000 with credit card debt sending their kids to travel hockey, travel across and travel baseball. And they got the private, private, this and private debt. Okay. I'm like, you ever think of maybe putting them into the rec league? Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, you know, there's no, it's like calling their mother a whore. It's like, Hey, that's an extra eight to 10 grand. You know, you, you know, your kid's five, eight, right? He's not going <laughs> anywhere. Okay. He's a, he's a junior in high school. He's five, eight, and he's a horrible skater. 
Okay, he's playing on the fourth line on the travel team that you're spending all this money to travel to Detroit and Peoria to watch your kid not play. Okay, there comes a point where you got to say, listen, little bud, I can't keep paying $4.50 a gallon gas to have you be the fourth liner. Let's do the rec league and you'll be the star. Okay, but parents nowadays can't say no to your kids. Okay, so that's what I would do. If you've got debt, hold off on the, on the, on the, um, on the retirement account, if you're out working in your funny retirement account, or go get a second job. Stop spending money on crap you don't need, okay? Stop shopping Amazon at night. Stop the Pinterest bullshit. Stop the, you know, the, uh, you know, Fredericks of Hollywood or, 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 or Victoria's Secrets, whatever you're buying online, you know, buying clothes from the Gap, buying clothes from wherever. Stop all that crap. You don't need it, right? Until you get your credit cards paid off. And then guess what? That debt, credit card balance, you're typically paying 4% minimum payment. So on $5,000, you're paying $200 a month on a minimum payment. Okay, that, that takes you an awful long time. Okay, you know, you, you could be like a like ZZ Top with that beard down to your belly button by the time you pay off $5,000. Just Google ZZ Top, all you students, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And then, you know, by the time you pay off that $5,000 credit card with $200 minimum payments, you, you, you know, you'll be 60 years old. I mean, that's the game they play. They want you on the treadmill, on the financial treadmill going no place. So take the second job, suck it up, keep your hands in your pockets. Don't buy any crap you don't need. Focus on paying down the debt. And then when you get the debt paid off, do not shut the credit card down. You have to keep, it's not the credit card that got you in, pro, in trouble. It's you. It's your spending patterns, it's your spending habits with that credit card. Because if you have a $5,000, okay, so here's another tip. It's got to, your, your, your credit score has got to do with credit utilization. Okay. So if you've got a $5,000 limit and you've got a $5,000 balance, you've got no utilization left. You're, you're at hundred percent capacity. Okay. If you pay it down by $4,000. Okay. There's my hand. Okay. You now went from hundred percent capacity, right? You down to 25% capacity. That's where you want to be and the credit reporting agencies, right? So, so now you went from $5,000 with the $5,000 limit, you're down to 1,000. But what most people do, the biggest mistake, they shut down the credit cards and they're left with a $1,000 limit with the $1,000 balance. Now you're back to 100% capacity. You just blew everything that you just gained by paying down the credit card. So when you pay down that credit card, don't shut the credit card. That's the biggest mistake you could do because you just blew all the gains that you just picked up by paying off that $5,000 credit card down to a thousand, 25%. Then when you go down to zero, you've got a hundred percent credit availability, right? That's what you want up here. You got no room to breathe, right? It's kind of like the perfect storm with uh, Clooney and, uh, and Dame uh, and, and Wahlberg sucking the oxygen. There's no oxygen up here with the tipped over boat down here. You got plenty of oxygen. Okay. Credit scores suck when you're like this. Credit scores are great when you got a lot of room. There's another tip you didn't even ask. So that, that's, no, a that's that's really helpful because I think a lot of people will will work re, really hard to get their credit cards down and say, oh, again, that was scary as shit. I just got out of that. I'm done. It's these credit cards that caused me to be bad. No, <laughs> it's you who are using the credit cards. Again, go back to the morphine example, right? When used effectively, it will help you. It's not the morphine that gets you into trouble. It's the person that's shooting the morphine that can't get off the morphine. 
mm-hmm. not the credit card, that piece of plastic that's getting you in trouble. It's you who's using the credit card irresponsibly that's getting you into trouble. So when you get into trouble and you sh- and you pay it all down, then you swear it off and go into the witness protection program and cut up all your credit cards. That's the worst thing you could possibly do because you just lost all your gains. Ugh. I, I, I love it. One of one of our listeners said that they needed to hear this. So uh, you're, you're reaching them, David. I, Good. I which like... one? Devin or Tyler or Lisa? Which one? Um, I think it was BV. Um, I think she right. was the one. I'm assuming. Uh, I don't mean to automatically assume gender. But... Doesn't matter. It doesn't right, matter. right. But definitely, definitely connecting with, with some of them. So so through this, I, I want to now go on kind of like the fun side of this stuff. You, you pay that stuff off or you have good credit. You're, you're investing. Yeah. You got a job. You do that. When do you know when you can take your hands out of your pocket and start to kind of enjoy that? Like, when did you, because you were saying, hey, I was working my butt. I wasn't paying anything. When, when does that switch? Is there like a, an amount that you would say, okay, now you're good after the six to eight month savings? Like, when can you know? And 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 how do you do that? Because again, I feel like this is, again, the the patterns, the behavior is more like a diet. Like, when do you know you can splurge and, and eat a bad financial meal and, and still be yeah. okay. Well, let's, and that's, that's different for everybody. Right. So it, 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 that's why Baskin Robbins has 31 flavors, right? You got a different flavor for every <laughs> month. Some people like nuts and marshmallows in their ice cream, not a big fan. And other people's love that Rocky road crap. Right. So what, what is, what is good for me? Right. Okay. Might not be good for somebody else. Right. I might want, a great leather coat I've been looking at, right? Or my purse, my and my wife's in the purses, right? I got, I got. Don't forget about the purses, right? She won't, and and she's a vegetarian. I got to keep my voice down. She, <laughs> she won't eat the meat, but she'll wear it, right? It's a whole another. <laughs> so, um, so I've got a closet full of purses, right? That's my wife's thing, right? I think it's ridiculous, right? I'm not a big thrifter guy here, right? But I like taking nice vacations, right? So when I go. I find a chair, put my fat rear end down, and I drink my uh, frozen mojitos and my and my margaritas. I listen to my music, and I'm good, right? Now, other people don't like taking nice trips, right? Other people might be, go get a nice car, okay? Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, the lawyers out of college, when they graduate, they like the, they like the BMWs and they like the Mercedes. How do I know? Because I see the credit reports with the $800 to $1,000, you know, um, <laughs> You know, BMW, a Mercedes. Fine. I'm not judging. Right. Other people like shoes. Other people like to other people are foodies. Right. They, they like the food. Some people like spending three, four thousand dollars on an apartment. So you've got to regulate. Right. It, it comes a point where if you could afford it and you're getting joy out of it and you could pay for it, that's fine. It, it gets to a point as you get older. Right. Where. I used to have to wear suits all the time. Okay. And so I got a job at club international back in the day that sold suits. So I got 50% off. So I worked Saturdays, worked Sundays, whatever I made. I bought all my, I bought all my work clothes, jeans, right? So it didn't cost me anything. I got everything on a discount and whatever I made, I put it back because I I didn't want to spend any money on clothes. So other people, as you start making more money and as you start going and budgeting, you're going to see, Hey, I see my savings here. You might've gotten a bonus, right? You might've gotten a raise. Hey, you know what? I could go out to eat with my buddies three nights a week. You know what? I might want to cook two nights a week because I want to save up. I'm tired of renting. So that's a tough question, right? That's, 
it, it again, it's like, which flavor ice cream do you, you know, do you like? And everybody's got a different taste. Everybody's got a different tolerance level. So I, I would just say this, as long as you could pay everything off at the end of the month and, and pay yourself after paying yourself first and funding your IRA, right. And not carrying any credit cards and you've got your six to 12 months and you're comfortable with the six to 12 months and you've got an extra G note there, an extra two grand there. It's up to you to do whatever you want with it, right? You want to go see a concert, right? You want to go blow a thousand dollars on Taylor Swift, which I don't understand, but, but, you know, but that's fine, right? You go to a ball game now, it's going to cost you $15 to $18 for a mixed drink at a ball game. Okay. So, you know, you can buy nice tickets to a Cubs game and cost you $300 in food. So everything depends upon what your specific needs and likes and wants and, you know, some people like massages, some people like spa dates, right? Some people like to go on a trip with their girlfriends or their guy friends. Some people like taking golf trips. Some people, I know guys that blew $2,500 on a set of golf clubs. A little crazy for me, but that's their thing, right? So who am I to say that buying a new set of $2,500 worth of golf clubs is crazy? I wouldn't spend it, right? But they wouldn't go to where I would go to vacation. So that's a tough one, bud. I, that, I, but the, to answer that question, as long as you could pay for it, and as long as you could get joy out of it, and they teach you in, in, in school, right? There's always buyer's remorse. We always learn that in college. Whenever you buy something, there's always a period after your purchase that you second guess yourself. And that's where the customer service has to come in with the thank you and, and, and are you good? Because you always have doubt. You know, maybe you want a widescreen TV, right? Maybe you want a new stereo system. Okay, maybe you want a new gaming system. People are into gaming. Whatever you're into, right? You're, you're, you're into cooking. You want new stainless steel pots and pans and new knives. So, hey, listen, who am I to judge what you do it? As long as you can afford it, as long as you're going to get pleasure out of it, and you're going to second guess yourself and have doubt because that's what they teach you in business school. And it's 100% right. Whenever you buy something big, you always second guess yourself. But you know what? Listen, I, I drive a nice car. It's my thing, right? I, I I, 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 I lease a car. It's one of the nicest things that I have. I, I, I'm not a clothes guy. I'm not a food guy. I like driving a nice car. That's what I do. Okay. So that's my thing. Right. So some people look at my car and go, can't believe you're driving that. I'm like, well, I really don't care what you think. I like driving my car and I'm wearing the same jeans I've been wearing for the past 12 years. Right. And you know, it's, it's, it's what I do. Thank God they still fit. And you know, I, it, it, it's just what we do. And I, and I wear the same socks until my feet fall out the bottom of my socks and I buy new socks because I'm not a clothes guy. So each one is specific. You have to find out what your sweet spot is, Russ, and your students have to find out and live it, right? Because it's great to save, but if you can't spend what you're saving and enjoy yourself, then what the hell are we on this planet for, right? You got to have a good time. I love that. I love that. So I got one more question for you and then I think we can wrap it up. Well, actually two, what kind of car do you drive right now? Yeah, and then- yeah, all right. Fair. <laughs> and then um what what's what's some advice you would just give in general to to just anyone if you were like, hey, I was graduating and I wish someone told me this that you haven't already covered, just something just yeah. to, to kind of take on the road. Got an S560 2021 or 2020 lease was up and they wanted to jack up my payment 50% because the interest rates were up. And then I'm um, like, what does it cost to buy it? They're like, your payment will go down 50%. So I bought it. So I like the car so much. And I've been driving Mercedes for 12 years or 12, nice, 15. Nice. So 
So there you go. All right. So that's my thing, right? So what would I recommend that nobody told me? The biggest thing, I love Northern, got a ton out of it. I just had lunch with five of my fraternity brothers I hadn't seen in like 10, 15 years on Friday, right? And just instant connection as if we hadn't seen each other, at, you know, last week. Um, I got more out of Northern through the relationships that I built in and outside the classroom. I learned more about life building relationships on the essay Senate, right? Because I, I was a Greek rural representative. I learned more about how to do things being the president of my fraternity twice, right? Because we had to intermingle with other fraternities. We had to overcome some things and whatever. And the relationships you build with, with fellow students on campus, in and outside of the classroom, was the biggest takeaway that nobody told me. Because those are the people that you'll see in Facebook, on Facebook, if Facebook's still here, whatever takes its place in 10 years. But the connections you make in and out of the classroom, that's the biggest benefit that nobody told me, that I valued up there, but now I value even more that I've been gone, graduated in 88, and I've been gone a, a long time. I, I'm an old, I'm a dinosaur here, right? But the, the relationships you make will come back and pay off multiplicity, right? The multiplicity of the relationships that you develop there. I, it, it's, 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 it's very powerful, very powerful. And if you don't take advantage of building relationships and the problem that we have today with the, with the youth today, right, as the old man, is nobody it, it's talking to each other right and because everybody's hiding behind their keyboard and, and nobody knows how to say it's having the focus groups right and working within the groups i learned so much working within the groups and doing stuff with other fraternities and sororities and becoming when i was tug chair we we it was the first year we had stands right back in 88 it was the first year that we had stands it was a big deal Right. So I'm like, great. We got the stands. Right. I went to the, the student association and got the approval. I got the stands and I needed to figure out a way. And I'm like, great. How the hell am I going to get the stands over to Greek row? Right. So so we were taking the stands from one of the ball fields. So what did I learn? Right. What do you learn outside? You know, they don't teach you how do you get the stands from the softball field behind <laughs> the, uh, you know, you know, behind the swimming pool over to Greek row. So. What did I do? Right. We sat down like, how the hell are we going to get these freaking stands over there? Nobody's got a, a tractor to move these things. So we brought a case of good beer, not the old old Milwaukee urine water that we used to drink at the, at the house. You know, I, I, at Friday, we went over there at five o'clock, me and the assistant chair brought two cases of like Michelob or something good Heineken. I'm like, hey, I got to get these stands over and you got a tractor. Here's a couple of cases here. Can you help me out? Boom, Saturday morning, we had the stands there. I'm like, hey, we got to get the stands back now, right? Here's two more cases. And these are the things that they don't teach you in school. It's just overcoming obstacles. And, and, and I'm still friends with the guy who, who was my you know, coach here. We still joke about that today. And those are the things that I wish people would have told me when I was in college is to value your time there. I know you want to get 
out. I know you got another three weeks. And my daughter, my wife's going down to get my daughter in, in Florida from college, you know, next week. And I get it. But the time you have there in the classrooms amongst your fellow students, and I still have relationships with a couple of the, uh, my professors are still living and I still have, you know, relationships with, 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 with a couple of the professors who are still friends. Those are the, that's the value of, of Northern and being so close to Chicago and having the resources of being so close to Chicago and Naperville and, and Milwaukee, it's huge. So take advantage of every chance you get, build as many relationships as you can and stay in touch with people and be value and, and be of value to them because it'll pay off in, 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 in the long run. That's my parting shot. David, I am incredibly grateful for your time. And I don't know if anyone's ever told you this and it's a different medium, but I feel like you would really translate well if you jumped on TikTok. I, I feel like you got some energy there. I think your advice would spread pretty quickly. That's just my one opinion. So just, you know, maybe, you know, talk to your your daughters about that. Have them, yeah. have them set you I'm up with the TikTok. I'm, done. I'm starting to do the, uh, the Taylor Swift and all that no actually i took a class right dinosaur learns new trick i took a class to um if you want to follow me on instagram i'm, I'm, I'm going to be a grammar uh david underscore hockberg going to be giving financial advice in nice. 30 whips so yes i took my first class yesterday and we're going to start green screening things and doing all that stuff coming up so if you want to follow me on instagram or insta as, as the cool people call it it's my name david underscore h-o-c-h-b-e-r-g I think I've got seven followers. So I'm trying to build it up slowly, but sure. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, thank you again so much for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of The Gateway brought to you by NIU's College of Business. Please make sure to subscribe to The Gateway. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. And if you are so inclined, please feel free to give us those five-star ratings, which help allow us to continue to bring wonderful guests to the gateway. Thank you all for listening. And remember to love always the promise of tomorrow today.